Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. But let's get ready for the Word. Get out your notepads, your devices, turn off social media. Nothing important is going to happen on there for the next 25 minutes. The most important thing is going to be right here. I want to speak to you tonight or today, wherever you are. And the title of this message, for those who like titles, is What's the Hurry? And this comes out of a verse in the book of Isaiah that has been kind of ringing around my heart for the last couple of weeks. You've got to understand that Isaiah the prophet is prophesying, ministering in a time of great pressure and great uncertainty in Israel. The leader, King Uzziah, who's been one of the most strategic leaders that Israel's ever known, has passed away. He's been responsible for the building of so much infrastructure and creating a climate of business success, we call it today. And then God raises up this prophet Isaiah. He's only a young man. And he starts leading in the vacuum created by the the death of King Uzziah and a whole lot of other stuff that's going on in Israel at the time. Chapter 28 talks about a nation that has forgotten God and they've become drunk on their own self-sufficiency. Starting to feel like, well, God is not listening to us and we won't bother listening to God. There's conflict, there's scorn of God and His truth. It's a time of spiritual chaos in the nation at that time. And then in the middle of Isaiah 28, God drops one verse that stands out like a beacon on a dark night. All the preceding verses are full of what's going wrong and the verses after about some of the consequences of that. But I want to read to you Isaiah 28 verse 16. I want you to hear it because I believe it's a word from God to many of us, to myself included. Very little that I preach comes out of a doctrinal framework or some kind of a liturgical calendar. I can't think of anything like that. Most of it, if not all of it, comes out of something that I feel God speaks to me for me. And then as I process it, I believe He wants to speak it to you. This is Isaiah 28, verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, in the midst of all this, listen to it, Behold, I lay in Zion, His presence, a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. The King James Version says, whoever believes will not act in haste. The Message Version says, a trusting life won't topple. The Amplified Bible says, whoever believes won't give way or hasten away in sudden panic. The New Living Translation, whoever believes need never be shaken. And in the midst of their chaos, out of all that God could say, He speaks to them and He says, in the midst of your uncertainty, I speak a certain word. In the midst of your chaos, your sense of out of control, God declares a calm and a peace, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. He that believeth, King James, shall not make haste. 
in the midst of storms battering them. You know, our world at the moment on so many levels and in so many arenas is at that kind of a place. I meet people all the time and I would say that I meet many people that are in the midst of grief or in the midst of difficulty or in the midst of adversity are holding on to God with an uncommon sense of peace. I speak to people in this church that have gone through just recently loss and sorrow in their family and yet so many of them say to me, but I'm trusting God. I was speaking to one of our former staff who now lives overseas, just been diagnosed with the South African variant of COVID. And when I said to him via WhatsApp yesterday, how are you doing? This was his response to me. He said, praise God, our symptoms have been slight and God is gracious to us and we know He will be from this time on. And so I meet people, don't think that everyone's in a panic. Don't think that everyone's struggling because I meet people every week that thank you very much, they're holding on to God in a wonderful way. They're seeing the presence and the power of God. I know that as a church, seeing so many yes texts. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's people saying yes to Jesus, many of them for the first time in their life. I want to be born again. I want Jesus in my life. I don't want religion or no religion. I want a relationship with God. And people every single week say yes. Can I tell you how excited we are about everyone one of them every Tuesday I have what I call a think meeting where some of our key team get together and every single Tuesday one of the things we first speak about is how many yes texts came in during the week. We celebrate your decision for Christ because we know that every single one of you matters in the eternal scheme. You start plugging into divine destiny rather than just living the self-sufficient, self-managed life. You now take on board the captain of our salvation. You now bring on board He that is King of kings and Lord of lords and you surrender your life to His leadership and that is one of the most exciting things that any human being will ever get to do in their life. We step out of the life that's just us and our resources and our ability and our strength and our knowledge and our wisdom and our understanding and we plug into the marvellous supernatural of God and great wisdom from heaven can come to your life and great power from God that is uncommon and unexplainable to somebody who's never known it. You might say, well, is that really it? Oh, yeah, look, I read stories of people and I listen to podcasts and read books and so many people stand on the outside, as it were, looking in saying, I wish that were true. They see religion, but you've got to look past religion. It's not about the building. It's not about the music style. It's not about anything like that. It absolutely, beginning, middle and end, is about the Lordship of Jesus Christ in someone's life. He alone is the Saviour of the world. And if you don't know Him, I pray that in this service, you will give your yes to Christ. You will say to Jesus, I'm ready to trust you. I'm going to allow you to work out your will and your plan in my life. I think it's one of the greatest. Well, it's not one of the greatest. It is the greatest thing. 
So many of us have done that. And you know, I don't know about you, I was thinking as I came upside stage here before, and I thought, you know, there's never been a day in my life, not the days when I had difficulty or challenge in the physical realm or in the emotional realm or in the, in the mental realm or in the uh, financial realm. There's never been a day where I look back and thought to myself, not even for a split second, I wish I had never given my life to Christ. There's never been a moment. Because even on the darkest days, the darkest nights, you know that it's not just you hanging on to God, but you know that God is hanging on to you. I love that verse in John where Jesus is praying for the disciples and not just praying for them, but praying for all them that shall believe on me through their name. And he says, you know, the, no, the enemy has not plucked them out of my hand. And I think how wonderful it is that you and I are in the hand of God. You and I are not just having to work this out. It's not just up to you. It's not just about, do you have enough faith? I'm in the hand of God. Come on, you're in the hand of God. I hope you're amening me at home. I hope you're, wherever you are right there, if you want to get up and have a little run around your lounge room, you go right ahead because no one's watching. If you do it here, just don't get in the camera shot. Come on. Let's go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. I spoke about this last Sunday morning in the uh, service that we had to have online only. Luke 8, I love this story, but I got some fresh stuff to give you in this service. Luke 8, verse 22, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. They got into a boat and started out. And as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake and the boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Marvelous how they are with the prophet of the prophets, but they think they know the future better than he does. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. The storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? Well, if you thought they were scared before, now it says they were terrified, literally struck out of their wits, and they were amazed. Who is this man? I pray that every one of you that says yes to Christ, at some point or other, you will look back on the Saviour you said yes to and go, you know, who is this man? I thought I knew him. But look what he's doing in my life. Look how he's growing me. Look how he's helping me. Look how he's changing me. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. I know that pressure can either bring to our life paralysis or panic. Paralysis where we are so in fear we do nothing. Panic where we're so in fear we'll do anything. Or else we can lean into the peace of the promises of God. Let me tell you the three things that you need to know about the storms of life, because they will come. They're not necessarily the will of God. It doesn't say that the devil did it. It doesn't say God did it. It just says a storm arose. 
And sometimes we waste so much time asking why and how, where did that come from and what's going on and where is it all at? Rather than stopping and saying, right now, it's not what the storm is doing that matters. It's what you are doing in the storm. That's what matters. It's not about what it's doing. So many conversations are about this and that and I have people talk to me and all kinds of theories and maybes and whatevers. But truthfully, I'm not saying we shouldn't question or inquire. I'm saying just don't allow that to be the sum total of your conversation. It's not what the storm is doing. It's what are you doing in the storm that really matters. This challenges my own heart so often because I'm no different, I think, to any other human being in that when a storm arises, it captures my attention. I'm thinking about it. I could not tell you how many times something will arise during my week and something will come up and my mind goes to it and I go, oh, I wonder where that's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but I find I've got to get my attention off the storm and go, Jeff, what are you going to do in the storm? What is, uh, what's my heart going to be like in the middle of it? Here's the second thing. It's not what storm you're in, but it's what's in you in the storm. We're all in different kinds of storm in this service. Some of you, it's a financial one and it's battering against you and you look at it and you're a bit like the disciples going, Ooh, this is not looking good. I think I could drown here. Some of you, it'll be a physical one. Oh, you know, and, and again, it doesn't look great. Some of you, it'll be an emotional one or a spiritual one that's attacking and pressing against you. But the reality is, it's not what storm you're in, but what's in me in the middle of the storm. Here's the third thing I believe we all need to know. You can't speak to the storm out there if the storm is in you. Once the storm takes up residence and overcomes, you can no longer act like Jesus did and stand up and rebuke it. Rather, it'll just swamp all over you. And I'm not saying that's a hopeless situation. I'm saying your first port of call will not be to speak to the storm. It'll be to speak to you. In 1 Samuel 30, when David comes back to his home base called Ziklag and finds out that while he's been away fighting the battles of the Lord, that he comes back to his home base and it's been burned to the ground. Everything of value has been taken. All their families, there's no bodies. So they know that all the families have been taken captive. Everybody does because it's a storm, you see. And everybody begins to cry and do what human beings do in the middle of it. Everybody starts going, wow, how come and why and whatever. And then it gets worse because the men that have been David's biggest support network turn on him and start to criticise. And they even get to the point where some of them say, we would be better off without him. And so they start talking about killing him. Probably one of my favourite verses of the entire Bible is verse 5, where it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. See, he's in a storm. And he knows that the storm's got into him because he also has wept until he's got no more power to cry a tear. So it's not that somehow or other, if you let the storm in, that's the end of you. 
But David understood the first port of call was not to go on the offensive with all that. He could have lashed out in panic, chased after those Amalekites that had taken away everything of value. Or he could have curled up in the fetal position in the corner and said, oh, well, what's the point? I knew this would never work. But he doesn't do that. Listen, in the middle of the storm, David encourages himself in the Lord his God. Then he goes and says to the Lord, verse 6, Then he said, Bring me the linen ephod. And he said, uh, He inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go? I love that because everything within me would have been, I'm going to go after it and get it back. But David has learned about the sin of presumption. He's learned you don't tell God what God ought to do. You ask God what you should do. And so he says, Lord, what should I do? Shall I overtake? Will I recover all? And the Lord speaks back to him and says, Pursue, for without fail. Now they're worn out. They're worn out from the battle. They've worn out in their emotions from all the grief and the sorrow. But one man understands if the storm gets inside of you, your first thing you've got to do is you've got to start working to get the storm out of you so you can hear God. Too many people in the midst of their pain start telling God, tell me what, tell me what, tell me what. And God says, get yourself positioned so that you can act on what I tell you. And so that's what David does in that position. And he goes out and the story ends well. He gets it all back. You can either have paralysis, panic, or else you can lean into the peace of God. Isaiah 28 again says, he that or she that believes will not make haste. If you Google hurry sickness, now it's a thing, and I knew it was a thing, but I thought I'd just Google it. I think about the first six out of the first 10 websites it throws up in a Google search are how to diagnose hurry sickness. Because I know that when pressure comes on people's lives, hurry often wants to step into the gap. I got to, I have to, I must, I got to. And pressure starts to produce poor decision-making and wrong perspectives into people's lives. The Scripture says, he or she that believes will not make haste. Can I be this honest? Is this okay? You don't mind me being honest, do you? Because too bad, because I've been doing it for a long time and that's the only way I know how to live. Sometimes I'm going, oh God, I got on, I better. And, and my mind runs about 25 different answers in the space of two seconds. I'm going, I might, I might, I'll have to. And, and then I feel this still small voice say, calm, it'll be okay. Can't tell you the number of times in my life when I've been in the midst of the greatest of anguish and distress. I'm, I'm, I think about this a lot because so many times when I've sought God, said, God, what will you do when my children were sick and they thought they mightn't recover? When I was sick and they weren't sure I was, would recover. And so many times the word the Lord has said to me is this, it's going to be okay. Can I say to you, that mightn't sound much. If you're a data person who wants it, you know, in 16 bullet points and a you know, a, a, a PowerPoint presentation and all that kind of stuff. That mightn't sound much, but can I say to you, one of the best things you'll ever hear from the Holy Spirit is, I'm with you. It's going to be okay. I'm going to help you. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 11, 
the Apostle Paul is ending a message to this Ephesian church. And he says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wilds of the devil. And then verse 13 and verse 12, go on and talk about the battles that you and I get engaged in, about the things that come against us. But verse 13 doesn't leave us with a command to be strong and then a battle. It finishes with this. Listen to what it says in verse 13. Therefore, therefore, and when you see a therefore, you've got to find out what it's there for. Therefore, because of battles, because of challenges, because of opposition, take up the whole armour of God, watch this, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. I love this. It sounds a bit strange to, in English, it doesn't here. And having done all, you've done everything you can do. Having done all to stand. He starts with stand and he says, finally, when you've done everything you can do, here's the, what God wants you to do next. Stand. When you've done everything you know how to do, stand. If you started standing, stay standing no matter what. But it's not standing, standing idly by. Some of us that have been Bible students for a while, uh, well, you understand the Strong's Concordance, every Greek word has a number attached to it. And in Hebrew, it's the same. And well, one starts with H and the other one starts with G. So you know which one you're looking at. Well, that word there, stand, is G2476. And that's not because I'm really clever and I memorize it. It's because I know how to look it up. G2476 gives you the literal meaning of the word stand because I'm standing there. I'm standing. If I go over here to the, to the drum prison, I'm standing. But that's not the kind of standing that this verse or this word here means. It denotes an upright and active position. So when God tells me to stand, it's not just being busy doing something, but it's purposeful activity in the waiting room. Pastor Kylie Glass this morning spoke about being in the waiting space. If you didn't get that message, it'll be up there on YouTube and you can listen to it again. It was a great message because she's telling us when you're in the waiting room, when you're there, if you're in the waiting room for your answer, for your vision or for your miracle, don't mistake God's quietness for his absence. Are you in a waiting space right now where you're saying, oh God, I don't know what to do next? I don't know where we go from. I want you to remember, maybe you should write it down or at least take a, I don't know, a screenshot. Don't mistake God's quietness for his absence. Just because you're not hearing doesn't mean he's not there. It looked out of control to the disciples in the boat. We're going to drown. But it wasn't out of control. Well, here's a sidebar just quickly. I think I've got a minute to tell you this. Isn't it incredible how fear is more contagious than faith? Now, that goes against everything I want to believe, but it's true. 1 Corinthians 15 says evil company, verse 33, I think, evil company corrupts good habits. Numbers chapter 13, 10 spies with a negative report drown out the voices of faith of Joshua and Caleb. The disciples are in a boat. 
And Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, is in the boat. But you know, they don't catch his spirit of faith. Be careful what you allow into your life. Be careful in a storm what voices you allow to put stuff inside of you. Make sure that you are listening to the Word of God. Make sure that you're not just listening. I love our worship here, our times of praise and worship. Because so many of these songs we sing are based out of Scripture. Well, they all are. And you come into the presence of God and you start hearing, maybe not the audible voice of God, but you start hearing the Holy Spirit whisper to you. I'm sure He's done it to you many times. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12 says this, that you don't become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. It's not just patience. It's not just hanging on. It's allowing a spirit of faith to be inside of your life. It's saying to God, come on, I, I'm asking you tonight that whoever you are, would you come before God? If you are in the middle of a storm, don't wake up Jesus out of panic. Say, I'm going to be okay because Jesus is in my boat. Lord, I know you're going to help me. I know you're going to save me. I know you're going to strengthen me. I know you're going to provide for me. Now is the time to prepare and to build your strength and to encourage your faith. What a great joy it is when you're able to say, you know what? Jesus is in my boat. Amen. Come on, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone that's a part of this service. Holy Spirit, I could preach faith. Lord, I could pray for faith. I could ask you to do it for these people. But Lord, we know only you are the author and developer of faith. So Lord Jesus, we're asking you, wherever these people are tonight, whether they're in India or in, in the Philippines, or Lord, they're in Malaysia somewhere or other, or Lord, they're in some rural part of Australia, whatever part of the world people are in, you are there with them. So Lord, I pray that Tonight, by the Holy Spirit, you will surround us, not just for a moment, but Lord, you'll help us to get up from where we are and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe that you're going to be with. We're not going to declare we're about to drown. We're rather going to declare that he still is the Lord of wind and waves. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, I pray as well for people that are a part of this service. Lord, I don't know their names and maybe I'll never meet them. But tonight, Lord, there's many that are going to say, yes, I'm going to trust Jesus. Oh, they might have been raised with atheism or raised with just wondering or maybe they were raised in something that did not even acknowledge your name. And yet, Lord, something of you is always... Oh, just worked away on the inside and they've wondered about God. Jesus, you said that you came so that we might know who God is. You said, Lord, that if we'd receive you, we'd become the children of our Heavenly Father. So God, I pray for people everywhere. Right now, scores of them, Lord, many that are tonight going to say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. 
Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, there will come a day when we will see each other face to face as we gather around your throne in heaven. And someone will be there and say, I said yes to Jesus. In that first week of May 2021, in the midst of all that was going on, I said, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. Lord, thank you for them and thank you for what you will continue to do in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you want to say yes to Jesus, let me tell you there's two very simple ways. Wherever you are, you can do this. If you're in Australia, there's a number you can text YES to that number. It's 0488 826 392. I'll give it to you again. It's up on the screen for you, but it's such an important number. 0488 826 392. You can text yes to that if you're outside of Australia or if you'd like to get our help because we want to help you. You can get it via email just by going to yes.metrochurch, M-E-T-R-O-Church.org.org.au. When you do that, the next day after you do it, our team here doesn't come from anywhere else. We don't have a third-party people that do it. It's us. It's our church that does it. We will send you on one screen of your smartphone a different Bible verse every day for the next 30 days. We'll send you a prayer, a different one, every day for the next 30 days. It'll help you, well, start to go, wow, I didn't know that. I don't know about you, but when I gave my life to Christ, all of a sudden I read verses in the Bible that I'm going, was that all there? I never knew, I never knew Jesus healed. I always thought, they always told me that all died out. I didn't know there were promises in there for today. I didn't know about verses like you can ask for wisdom and he'll give it to you. No one ever told me. I don't know what I ever heard anyone preach, but it sure wasn't that. Well, we want to help you by giving you some of those promises and they'll come to you every day. You can opt out whenever you like and we never write and ask anyone for any kind of uh, anything in return. It's just our joy to be a part of encouraging you with Jesus. And so take that number, 0488826392, yes.metrochurch.org.au. And we want to say well done and congratulations to every one of you. We're proud of you and we're glad for you that you are trusting Jesus with all of your life and all of your heart. Amen. I think that's such an exciting time. One of the things we love to do is to pray and to pray with people. In a very short time, Solomon uh, will be there in the studio ready to be praying with people and I don't always get to do that, but I've loved every opportunity I've had to sit there and uh, not just hear people's needs, but to hear back some of the stories of people and their answers to prayer. So I encourage you to be a part of that and you can use those numbers that, uh, that are up there for you for prayer. That would be so, so amazing. Thank you to all these people online. All these people everywhere on here, yeah. This website is really good, says Mark. Yeah, well done. Fantastic. We're going to worship God together. I want to give you a moment because I've been speaking about what's in you in the storm. Again, am I allowed to be honest? Good. Because I am anyway. I don't always find that there's a switch. I wish there was one. I wish there was a switch where when a negative thing happens, or pressure comes, I can just go, boom, that's off, and now I'm oblivious. 
I don't know about the rest of you. Anybody here ever tossed and turned at night because you just couldn't stop thinking about it? Anybody here drove all the way along and the whole journey you went, all you were doing was thinking about what that person had said or what had happened? Me for. And I've discovered that I need lots of doses of the Holy Spirit. I find it's never just one moment. That's why I think praying, starting the day with Bible and prayer is a great way to start a day. I'm not saying that out of a rule. I'm just going, heck, it's just a great way to start the day. Or night, whatever floats your boat, however you want to do it. Come on, we're going to stand together and worship the Lord together. Thank you, Lara. Let's love God. Come on. Lift your heart and say, Holy Spirit, I'm not just singing a song here. Lord, I'm inviting you to put something in me for the storms that I'm facing. I need grace. I need help. I need wisdom. I need love. Thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. something we haven't done this for a long long time but if you're in the building here with us tonight and you're facing some challenges in life never be embarrassed about that never ever think to yourself i don't want anyone to know i'm i've got a struggle because quite frankly all of us do at some point but if you'd like someone to stand with you and pray with you might be a big thing might be world changing it might just be something that matters to you i know there's people of faith in the building that love just to come and stand beside you and just quietly pray and say, Lord, would you give them the answer they need? If that's you up here on the stage, because we aren't, we haven't arrived because we're up here, just lift your hand wherever you are. And I'm going to get the team to sing that song again as we just come and pray. God bless you. God bless you. Just wherever you are, up the back up there as well, up the back up there as well. If you see someone around, would you mind doing that? Just go and stand near them. Just say, Lord, would you help them tonight? Lord, would you give them that answer?
Lord, we believe that tonight. Lord, I thank you for doing that in families. Father, we never pray just hoping that you'll do a little bit, that you'll just help or just bless. But God, we pray boldly, believing for miracles. Oh, I thank you for miracles in families. Turn around moments, Lord, where people that have been heading headlong in one direction turn around, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray for the families that are here in this service, Lord, where they're so concerned about the storm raging in their family. The things that are happening, every sign, Lord, looks like it's headed for, well, headed for lots of pain. But Lord, we ask you to intervene in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you in the storm is greater than any storm in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thank you so much for being a part of the service. Don't forget Thursday night, get your tickets for that. And then uh, on a beautiful Celebrate Women Day in the morning. It's going to be a great, great week for sure. Uh, God bless you. We'll see you somewhere soon. Over to Solomon down there in the studio. God bless you. Thank you so much. 